0: Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, October 28, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair, Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health, or visit our website, publichealth Dot and now, here's Supervisor Barger.
1: Thank you. Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. I first want to congratulate the LA Dodgers, our World Series champions. They have made us all proud, and we are celebrating and rejoicing in this win. 32 years, too long. We look forward to next year, a repeat. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Los Angeles County Public Health Director is here with an update on the latest COVID-19 case counts and trends. Dr. Christina Galley, Director of Department of Health Services will provide an update on modeling projections and our current hospitalizations. Yesterday, I joined the Department of Public Health, USC and Mayor Eric Garcetti to announce the launch of rapid antigen testing. This exciting pilot program will help us identify the best ways to use innovative and inexpensive testing to confront the spread of COVID-19. Rapid tests quickly alert individuals who are contagious and need to isolate, which is an effective way to limit community transmission. I am grateful for this collaboration between the county, the city and USC to expand and enhance our testing capacity. From the start of the pandemic, access to cost-effective and efficient testing has been a priority in Los Angeles County. We have consistently sought out cheaper and more accurate options so that we can provide results in real time. Testing is critical in our effort to keep communities safe and healthy. To launch this program is also a meaningful step to enable students to return to school and businesses to head back to work. Ensuring the well-being of our residents is always our priority. I am committed to making sure your voices are heard. One of the best ways for residents to use their voice is by voting this election, as well as which is underway throughout Los Angeles County. Remember, Election Day isn't the only day to vote, it's your final day to vote. There are multiple options to fit everyone's preference and your schedule. You can vote by mail, you can submit your ballot at an official Dropbox, or you can vote in person. Select vote centers opened last Saturday and are open for the 11 days leading up to Election Day. All vote centers will be available starting Friday, October 30th, for the final five days of the election. Vote centers are open daily from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and are open on election day from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. You can cast your ballot at any vote center or drop it in the box. To find out the one that's most convenient to you, visit lavote.net. If you are planning to vote in person, you can speed it up and have the check-in process when you arrive at the vote center by scanning your quick check-in code. The code is also printed on your sample ballot and vote center postcard that you should have received in the mail. Rest assured that all vote centers are following public health and safety guidelines. All surfaces, including ballot marking devices, are being wiped and sanitized after each voter to ensure cleanliness. Please, if you are choosing to vote in person, Please wear your face covering and stand six feet away from others in line. Election workers will be wearing protective gloves and masks and will be trained to help everyone stay safe throughout the day. With that, I would now like to hand it over to Dr. Ferrar. Thank you.
2: Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Barger and to the entire Board of Supervisors. Uh, for the past eight months, you've continued to lead our county with compassion and focus through a most challenging time And I'm grateful for all you're doing uh, for everyone who lives in our communities. And thank you, Dodgers, for lifting our spirits uh, with your uh, fabulous, skilled playing. Uh, We're so proud uh, to be your uh, dedicated and committed fans here. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Um, Today, I will update you on key indicators that mark our progress, uh, slowing the spread of COVID-19 across L.A. County. I'll also update you on the status of school reopenings at both schools providing in-person services for students with high needs and at schools applying or having received a waiver to open for in-classroom instruction for students in grades, TK through grades two. And then I'll share some information and examples of how easily COVID-19 is spread in various settings. First, let's start with the recovery metrics that we watch very closely. The four metrics we review weekly, trend lines on cases, positivity rate, hospitalizations, and deaths, help us better understand COVID-19 transmission in our community and the impact of our recent actions. This information, along with the county's assignment to one of four tiers by the state, guides decision-making about how we proceed on our recovery journey. I'll take the first slide. This slide shows the seven day average of a number of uh, new COVID-19 cases by episode date. Uh, We normally report the number of new cases we receive each day, and because of differences in test processing times and reporting lags, the new cases we we announce are likely to have been collective over several days. And sometimes they include, as you all know, a backlog of test results. An additional way to look at trends in case numbers is to look at the episode date of each case. Episode date is the date a person took their test or they first experienced COVID-19 symptoms. So it's a somewhat more precise way of understanding exactly how cases are trending and distributed over time. As you can see on this graph that that classifies our cases by episode date, since the July spike, Uh, We've seen a decline in cases um, that happened uh, because we, again, closed some of our businesses. We're now beginning to see another increase, more gradual, in the number of new daily cases. This gradual increase does coincide with the reopening of several sectors, as well as increased gatherings associated with watching sport competitions, including celebrating the Lakers and Dodger victories. At many of these gatherings, people were close together without distancing or wearing face coverings, often inside. And unfortunately, at times, they were transmitting COVID-19 to other people. This increase is a cause for concern. Since the beginning of October, our cases have gone from an average of about 940 new cases per day to as of the end of last week, an average of almost 1,200 new cases a day. And again, uh, yesterday uh, you saw that our case counts uh, began climbing. Uh, I'll take the next slide. The next slide shows our test positivity rate, or the percentage of tests that are done and come back positive. The test positivity rate is influenced by how much community transmission is happening, along with the availability of widespread testing. We continue to have widespread testing availability in L.A. County, and I thank Dr. Galley and her team as well as the City of LA for their incredible work on making sure everyone has access to testing. Since mid-September, LA County's positivity rate has been fairly stable at a little over 3%. We are starting to see again a slight increase, however, and our current daily positivity rate is around 3.4%. That was compared to 3.1% a month ago. I'll take the next slide. We also continue to track the number of people each day with COVID-19 that are hospitalized. This helps us understand the impact of the virus on the healthcare system and we can track the number of people who are becoming seriously ill. For COVID-19-related hospitalizations, there was, since the end of July, first, as you note here, a steady decline and now a stabilizing in the number of hospitalized COVID-19 patients. We've been below 1,000 people hospitalized each day for most of September through October, and LA County continues to average under 800 hospitalized patients per day. The stability in the number of hospitalizations, while our numbers of daily cases increases, is likely likely due to a combination of three factors. First, younger people are primarily driving the increasing number of new cases in our county, And this is a group that may be less likely to become seriously ill and require hospitalization. Second, for those who do require hospitalization, the ability of our skilled healthcare providers to offer better therapeutic treatments often leads to shorter lengths of stay. And third, there's often a lag between the time we start to see increases in cases and subsequent increases in hospitalizations. So we may still, in fact, see uh, what we hope would be very slight increases in our hospitalizations in the weeks to come. I'll take the next slide. Uh, thankfully, we continue to report a decrease in deaths from COVID-19, and this is because of the overall decrease in people becoming seriously ill from the virus. Since the late July peak, in, where we had an average daily death of 44 people, there has been a steady decrease with last week's daily average of 13 deaths per day. This continued decrease in deaths is promising. At the same time, we know that an increase in cases can and usually does result in increases in hospitalizations and deaths several weeks later. This is why it's so important that we remain vigilant in using all the tools we have to slow the spread of the virus. Every life that's lost is a tragedy for our community and that person is deeply missed and mourned by their family and their friends. Next slide. The state's blueprint for safer economy provides a tiered framework that places counties in one of four tiers, depending on the three metrics you see on the slide that measure together the level of community transmission. Where LA County falls on this tier determines in large part how we can progress in our recovery journey as the state clearly defines what activities are permitted and options for counties to do in each tier. This slide shows the metric thresholds that are set by the state to determine when counties are able to move to a new tier. Next slide. LA County continues to be in tier one with widespread community disease transmission. Our adjusted case rate remains high and now is at 8 cases per 100,000 people, or over 800 cases per day. This is a small increase from last week, and it is the reason we remain in the most restrictive tier. Our positivity rate, as you can see, remains within the Tier 3 threshold at 3.7%, but here, too, we also saw a slight increase from last week. Uh, And and our uh, positivity rate in the county's lowest resourced areas has also increased slightly from last week uh, where we were at 5.9 percent and now we're at 6.2 percent. And we continue to be within the Tier 2 range for this metric. But as a reminder, the state places you in the most restrictive tier when all of your metrics are not just in one tier. And while I know it's discouraging week after week to report that we haven't yet reduced our case rate enough to move to Tier 2, I do want to note that we have the tools we need to drive down transmission rates in our communities. Not only do we need to eventually progress to a less restrictive tier, but we also need to be able to keep businesses and institutions open and bring more students back to their schools. These increases uh, align with increases in the cases that our own data has shown. And it's further evidence that all of us need to take action now. Every day when we're out of our homes and every day when we open our businesses, we need to use every one of the tools we have to make sure we get back to reducing transmission of the virus across the entire county. Uh, now I'd like to provide you with an update on school reopenings, both changes in requirements and processes, as well as updates on the numbers of schools open for both high-need students and those schools that are opening and or applying for waivers. Next slide. At this point uh, in time while we're in Tier Two, uh, Tier 1, all schools across the county are able to open their campuses for the following activities child care with appropriate state license or state waiver teachers and staff conducting distance learning and performing essential operations youth sports that happen outside with conditioning and skill building and support and services for individual and or cohorted groups of students who have high needs last friday we increased the percent of high needs students who can now return to school for on-site learning from 10% to 25% of the total student body. In addition, schools can apply for a waiver to reopen for on-site learning for students in grades TK through 2. Application requirements include adherence to the DPH directives, including completing the protocol checklists, outbreak management plans, and having an identified compliance team. While letters of support are strongly recommended from stakeholder groups, schools now have the option to demonstrate through a written attestation signed by the superintendent or head administrator that they have consulted with stakeholders before submitting their application. Schools will need to, as part of their application, describe this consultation process with staff, parents, and community-based organizations that offer services for students and their families. 30 schools can be approved for waivers each week, and those schools with high percentages of students eligible for free and reduced meals are prioritized. All schools, all schools that are open for any of the four activities must adhere to the DPH reopening directives that require infection control, distancing, masking, and cohorting. DPH staff visit every school that's reopened to ensure fidelity to the reopening protocols, and to provide technical assistance and support. As of October 23rd, 1,017 schools have reopened for on-site learning for high-need students. 14% of the schools that have opened for these services are private schools, 18% are charter schools, and 68% are public schools. About 35,000 students and over 20,000 staff have returned for on site services and support. In addition, the Department of Public Health has received 153 school waiver applications to open for on site learning for students in grades TK through 2. 102 applications have been received from private schools, five applications from charter schools and 46 applications were received from, from public schools. Waiver approvals have been issued to 29 schools to date, uh, and as a reminder, once the application is completed and submitted to us, it takes us two to three weeks to get final approvals from both our team and the state's team, and all schools that have had a waiver application uh, approved, uh, those schools and their application materials are posted on our website. Uh, Now to update you on our current status. I am sad to report today 20 additional people have passed away. Eight people who died are over the age of 80. Seven people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Five people who died are between the ages of 65 and 79. And all of the people who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Five people who passed away are also in the age group of 50 to 64. And again, everyone who passed away in this age group had underlying health conditions. Two people who passed away were between the ages of 30 and 49, and one person in this age group had underlying uh, health conditions. Of the 20 newly reported deaths today, one uh, occurred among a person who resided in our skilled nursing facilities. This does, unfortunately, bring the total number of deaths to 7,040 across our county. Our deepest sympathies are with everyone who's lost a friend or a loved one to COVID-19. For the 6,633 people that passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 52% are Latino, Latina Latinx, 23% are white, 14% are Asian, 10% are black, slightly less than 1%, are native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. We're reporting uh, 1,351 new cases today, and this does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 303,369. These cases include a total of 13,048 cases reported by the City of Long Beach and 2,795 cases reported by the City of Pasadena. We're also reporting a total of 2,048 cases among people experiencing homelessness. Uh, Today, uh, there are currently 755 people that are hospitalized with COVID-19. 28% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU, and 14% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 2,122 outbreaks with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 395 ongoing investigations and we've closed 1,727 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 37,213 and that includes 18,000 573 among residents, and 18,640 among staff. Uh, We're reporting 3,928 confirmed cases at some point in our jail facilities. 3,440 are among people who are incarcerated and 488 are among staff. There are 260 cases in the state prison, 193 among people who are incarcerated, and 67 among staff. And there are 760 cases in the federal prison facilities, 743 among people who are incarcerated, and 17 among staff. There are now 163 cases in our juvenile facilities, 74 are among youth, and 89 among staff. To date, over 3 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County, with a cumulative positivity rate of 9%. I wanna close today by talking about what we know about how COVID-19 spreads in the community. We've learned a lot about how this infection is transmitted since the beginning of the pandemic, and it's useful to step back occasionally and reflect on what we know so we can better understand the risks associated with certain activities. I'll take the next slide. First, I wanna talk about a wedding that took place in a small town in Maine on August 7th. The wedding was attended by about 65 guests and it's been reported that there was a ceremony and a reception. Few of the guests, all of whom knew each other, wore face coverings. The day after the wedding, one of the guests began to experience symptoms and eventually fell ill with COVID-19. This one gathering has since resulted in 180 known infections and unfortunately, seven deaths. The outbreak remains open today because new cases are still being discovered as the virus continues to be transmitted because of the original gathering. Among the people who were either guests at the wedding or in contact with the guest was a worker at a senior living facility who spread the virus in that facility. And there was also a worker at the York County jail who spread the virus at his workplace. Seven people at the senior living facility have since died and 87 people at the jail were infected, including both inmates and staff. Hopefully this reinforces the deadly nature of in-person gatherings at this time. It may seem harmless to bring a group of people together for a celebration. However, If not done appropriately, this type of gathering, even if only one person was infected, has the potential to result in hundreds of cases of COVID-19. And unfortunately, even worse, it can lead to the deaths of people who had no connection to the event at all. The next slide. I wanna also talk about the potential of outbreaks at schools using a university in Colorado as an example. Here in L.A. County, the universities are operating with mostly or fully remote campuses and with very few students that are on campus. We're grateful to all the institutions who have taken COVID-19 seriously and are in compliance with our infection control protocols. But as you can see from this slide, the risk of COVID-19 spread can be very high in a university environment. The University uh, of Colorado at Boulder experienced an outbreak in September that resulted in 1,585 positive cases among students and 17 positive cases among staff, becoming the largest outbreak in the entire state since the pandemic began. The university believes that the outbreak was driven mostly by off-campus socializing among students, but they were forced to move all of their classes to remote in an effort to slow the spread. And again, this virus spreads really simply in any community where people are living in congregate housing uh, and attending large gatherings. Behavior outside the classroom unfortunately spills into the classroom and onto the campus and accelerates the spread of the virus. Finally, the next slide, please. Another activity that's been linked to a high number of COVID 19 cases is in-person dining, particularly in-person dining at indoor settings. According to a recent study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, people who were infected with COVID-19 were roughly two times as likely as a control group, a group of people who were not infected, to report having eaten at a restaurant in the two weeks prior to becoming infected. In addition, there's data from other states that makes the connection between in-person dining and COVID-19 transmission. In Louisiana, 25% of cases had their origins in bars and restaurants. In Maryland, 12% of cases were traced back to restaurants. And in Colorado, 9% of cases could be connected to restaurants and bars. And here again, where we've been able to make the connections, we've also seen somewhere between 10 and 15% of our cases being connected uh, to a dining experience. Uh, This makes sense because when people go to restaurants and bars, they often spend a prolonged period of time in the presence of others who are outside of their household without their face coverings. They're often engaged in conversations and those uh, those are all strategies for increasing the spread of COVID-19. Particularly indoors, it becomes easier for this virus to spread. Then as in the wedding situation, Younger people can come in contact with others in a work or social environment and spread it to those who are in the higher risk uh, population of getting, uh, having serious outcomes, uh, serious disease if they get COVID-19. Well, I hope that these case examples uh, highlight how easily this virus spreads and how some activities with all of our good intentions end up leading to very large outbreaks. The decisions that we make individually or as families can have tragic consequences for us and for others whom we may not even know. Doing what we know is right, wearing our face coverings regularly, avoiding gatherings and keeping our distance from those outside our household is critical to preventing more cases of COVID-19 here in LA County. And as a reminder, people who have been part of celebratory crowds where they were in close contact with others not wearing face coverings and not distancing, may have been exposed to COVID-19. And they should all take the following precautions for the next 14 days. Remain apart from others as much as possible. Get tested and monitor yourself for symptoms of illness. If you know that you were in contact with a person who tested positive for COVID-19, please quarantine for the full 14 days, even if you have a negative test result. And now Dr. Galley will provide us with updates from the Department of Health Services.
3: Hi, good afternoon. I'll provide a brief update today on the DHS hospital modeling effort, and then also talk about how we've worked to increase access to community-based testing. We'll start with the testing. Back in July, I discussed how we had taken within the county a data-driven approach to improving equity and increasing access to COVID-19 testing. At that time, as you know, the burden and the demand for testing outstripped the supply, and it was very clear that a disproportionate burden from COVID was falling to low-income communities and communities of color. That's why the county added testing capacity at county-operated testing sites in a manner that addressed this stark disproportionality of high COVID exposure and low testing access that faced these certain high-risk communities. If you'll turn to the first slide, you'll see a heat map that we shared in July with data from May and June that identifies the hotspot communities at that time where the data indicated that there was an inadequate access to COVID-related testing. These hotspots were defined based on a combination of values on three different metrics. First, test positivity rate, looking at the communities that had the highest test positivity rates specifically those that were above the threshold that was set by the state at the time. Second, looking at COVID related mortality rates, deaths from those who had passed away from COVID within the communities and excluding the deaths from the skilled nursing facilities so as not to skew the data. And we know from the Department of Public Health data that has been shared that black and Latinx communities and communities of color have age adjusted mortality rates that surpass those of their richer counterparts and those of whites and Asian communities and third factor was looking at the testing rate itself specifically looking at communities that were not meeting the threshold set by the state of minimum testing of 1.5 tests per 1,000 population the communities that you see in red any color of red but particularly the bright red were those that had the greatest level of need meaning that they did not have sufficient access to testing and were disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. If you turn now to the next slide, you'll see what the heat map looks now. Looks like now. This new map shows that the vast majority of communities that were deemed high risk and were red in September are now lower risk and fewer communities are categorized at the highest level of need This reflects both the decrease in COVID-19 case rates that we've seen throughout the late summer and the fall and as a result, lower mortality rates, as well as the increase in the supply of testing and the use of the available testing supply among those who needed it most. These gains in testing access contributed to the resulting decline in test positivity countywide and very critically in the areas that have been the hardest hit by COVID. This was achieved in a few ways. First, we expanded testing in LA County operated testing sites by over 65%, including increasing access at existing county operated testing sites and also establishing 10 new county operated testing sites throughout the summer. This was focused, the entirety of this expansion was focused on the high risk areas that were outlined in red on that first heat map that we just walked through. Additionally, we identified local federally qualified health centers, or FQHCs, that serve vulnerable communities and worked with them to, so that they could provide community wide testing. That's testing for the community, not just for the specific patients served by the clinics located in those hotspot areas. These clinics are embedded within communities and with technical assistance and support to provide testing beyond their certain patient population, these clinics became critical clinical testing partners. Before July, we had eight FQHCs and 34 sites that were working with us to provide community-wide testing. We now are partnering with over 26 agencies and over 70 specific test sites collaborating with us across the breadth of the county. In addition, six directly operated DHS, Department of Health Services clinics are also offering testing to all, as well as four Department of Public Health clinics. This is critical because as we've said from the onset of COVID, testing is really best done within the established healthcare system, within the medical infrastructure where there's a relationship between the patient and the provider so that a test can inform treatment and there can be a conversation about what the right course is for any given patient. The FQHCs and the county clinics that have spent decades within the communities most impacted by COVID also have longstanding relationships and have trust within the communities. By embedding testing within the communities at established organizations, we can lay the groundwork for the sustainability of testing over the long term. And I'm very grateful and want to extend my sincere thanks for all those clinics partners, as well as other private provider partners who have worked with us to be able to expand access to testing over the last several months. With the community testing sites and the partner site operations solidified, we can now turn attention to new ways to make testing more accessible and more convenient for patients and individuals, especially within harder to reach populations. We'll be sharing more details about what this looks like and some of the different pilots underway in future conferences. We also know that the work to expand access to testing was a very big, important step in the right direction. But efforts to address long standing systemic racial and economic injustices that are exacerbated by covid, you can't just focus on the testing access itself. So in considering long term solutions to protect individuals against covid, we must ensure that the most impacted communities we serve are appropriately included, supported and actively engaged. To do so, the Department of Health Services, the Department of Public Health, and the county broadly have allocated nearly $20 million in COVID-related funding to support local community-based organizations, or CBOs, who are working already within our most impacted communities. These community-based organizations are trusted messengers and have established relationships with those they serve. We will partner with them to perform outreach, provide information and education to community members, engage them and link them to COVID-19 testing and isolation or quarantine options, provide them with access to healthcare or other support services such as housing, food or health insurance. They will also help to deliver tailored messages in a culturally and linguistically appropriate manner. Some of the funding will also support a wide variety of communication efforts, from broadcast media to grassroots in language and culturally responsive messaging campaigns. Last week, our fiscal agent community partners opened up a request for proposals for community-based organizations to apply for this funding. This funding package is referred to as the County COVID-19 Community Equity Fund. Over 25 organizations will be awarded with funding interested organizations are encouraged to go to the community partners website at communitypartners.org or they can search online using la county covid community fund to get more information about how to apply applications have been the funding rfp has been open for a little over a week and applications will be due on monday Organizations will be awarded based on their experience providing culturally and linguistically appropriate services, including education, outreach, and linkage to services to populations that are most impacted by health, inequality, inequities, disparities, and COVID overall. We look forward to sharing more information in the months to come about the grant and the organizations who are awarded with funding. I'll turn now to provide a brief update on the DHS hospital demand model, which as you know, looks at what is happening within our hospitals as a way of understanding what is happening within the broader community. The number of new patients with COVID-19 who are requiring hospitalization each day across Los Angeles County appears to be unchanged or perhaps slightly reduced from last week. The current number of hospital beds ICU beds and ventilators in Los Angeles County is expected to be adequate over the next four weeks. The estimated transmission number R is 0.95 now. Last week, the estimate was zero point, sorry, was 1.04. Do you have any water? If R is below one, then the number of cases will decrease over time. So based on the current estimate for R, it is likely that the number of cases will go down. Looking ahead, as we look ahead, we should note that the transmission has leveled off over the past couple of months, and the overall demand for testing has also declined. While testing rates, though, still do remain high for the county overall in the state, they have started to go down slightly. Excuse me. And this is one factor why you see the test positivity rate slightly going up. We have a lot of unfilled testing slots within the county and also within the city testing sites. Over 40% of the county testing sites are unfilled, slots are unfilled. Testing is broadly available for those who need it. And I would encourage anyone who meets criteria for testing if you have symptoms, if you have contact with a confirmed case, if you're an essential worker, or you just think you might have had contact with a suspected case to seek access to testing testing is an important piece of what will get us to reopening it is not the sum total of what we need to do we all need to work on wearing our masks washing our hands keeping our distance remaining outside and limiting mixing but it is an important piece on the path to reopening and it is part of what will help us continue on that path we'll now take questions
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press 1 and then 0 on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, if you have a question, please press 1 and then 0 at this time. And we'll first go to the line of Patrick Healy with NBC4 News. Please go ahead.
0: Hi, uh, thank you very much. Two questions, if I may. Um, Number one, Dr. Ferrer noted the adjusted uh, incidence right now for COVID is is 8.0, but not adjusted, it's all the way up to 11. How, How much concern do we have about that, that the fact that we're doing so much testing is lowering our number and making it appear lower than it actually is? And secondarily, I'd like to ask Dr. Ferrer about her experience this morning before L.A. City Council did you sense that there is a great deal of frustration among the elected officials who are getting grief from their constituents who want further relaxing and want their kids to be able to go back to school? Thank you much.
2: Oh, Thanks so much, Patrick. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm glad you're asking the question about uh, the adjustment that the state makes uh, to account for the fact that um, we do a lot of testing. Uh, it's really just to level the playing field. Uh, everybody who does more testing, every county that's doing more testing uh, than the median across the state has an adjustment and uh, uh, that, that actually takes into account that we're doing more testing and those that are doing less have a similar adjustment uh, so that it makes it easier to do comparisons and not penalize those counties uh, that are doing a lot of testing. Uh, you and I, and, and everybody else, know what our real numbers are because we report them every day, and that's why we report them every day. Uh, you know, it's, it's very helpful to understand why we're being placed uh, by the state on a, on a t- in a tiered system, uh, but I think you're right to note that the issue before us is that we're averaging uh, in a given week between 1,100 and 1,200 new cases a day, and that's high. Um, and it continues to stand for the fact that uh, we still have way too much community transmission happening. Uh, and it won't help us uh, as we head into colder, the colder months, as we head into flu season, um, with what's in front of us if we can't right now start moving in a different direction and getting that case rate to drop. So what worries me is, is not that it's adjusted. What worries me is that it's going up. And even if the increase is relatively small, we have seen before uh, that without a lot of attention, um, we can accelerate to a place where it actually uh, creates uh, the possibility of overwhelming the healthcare system and certainly causes a lot of illness and death. And we'd like not to get there. And I do think... Um, uh, that you know, again, there are constituents all across the county uh, that are frustrated at this point in time. Uh, we hear from them. I think city councilors, the city council members, all hear from them. I think all elected folks hear from them. Um, and and I um, I respect and understand uh, the level of frustration. And I do know that for many, they'd like their children back in school. I also hear from people who are scared about sending anybody back into a school building because somebody in their family has been really sick or somebody in their family has even passed away. Um, So I think we have to make sure that what we're doing is creating conditions where we're A, first of all, every single person is committed to getting the rate to go back down, and B, as we're reopening any sectors, be that a school where students are returning, teachers and staff, or a, a business, those places can only open uh, when they adhere to every single directive uh, that helps enhance safety and reduce the risk of transmission. Uh, With that, we'll take one more question.
1: Thank you. Next we'll go to Claudia Busciuto with KNX Radio. Please go ahead. We see with the estimated transmission rate that, um, you know, new cases are expected to decline over time, yet at the same time we're seeing Uh, cases increasing right now, like do you really expect that the the cases will start to go down in a couple of months? Um, And then my second question is, do you have any regrets about proceeding with the reopening of breweries and wineries as the Dodgers and Lakers were both heading towards championships given the concerns you've stated about, you know, how sports-related gatherings may be increasing the spread? Thank you.
3: Hi, Claudia. Uh, So the estimated transmission rate is expected based on what we're seeing on the hospitalized cases to go down over time. And it's important to keep in mind that when we're looking at the hospital bed demand model, that's looking at the rates of hospitalization and using that data to project the R. Uh, What we're seeing in the overall case counts includes everybody, regardless of whether they needed to be hospitalized or not. So they're looking at two slightly different things. I'll turn it over to Dr. Ferrer for the second question.
2: Uh, thanks so much, Claudia, um, and I appreciate the question about, you know, what are what are the concerns uh, with both the celebrations and the reopenings? Um, you know, as I just um, I think I said a, a couple of minutes ago um, at this point where we are in the pandemic, I think what we're really trying to do and, and we need everyone's help doing this is do reopenings uh, in the sectors where we're permitted to do reopenings uh, in a measured way with a lot of safety. Um, And there's two sides to that that I think um, everyone uh, probably appreciates. One is making sure people have good information about what is expected when you're reopening. Uh, And the second is, how do we help make sure that everyone's compliant? Um, I think the first is easier, uh, and we've done a better job, I think, about providing technical assistance uh, to schools, to wineries, to the card rooms, um, all of the new sectors that are reopening so that people are clear that there are ways to actually do the reopenings uh, and not have it result in the huge spikes we saw uh, back in June and early July. But I think the second is uh, the place where it's been challenging. Um, you know, We uh, really depend on people's hearts and minds, understanding what the issues are, and then taking appropriate action. Uh, we're not policing our way out of a pandemic. We're not arresting our way out of a pandemic, and we're not even finding our way out of a pandemic. Those are some tools we can use uh, for for situations where there's clear and continued uh, disregard uh, for basic safety measures, but the real task before us is making sure that all of us understand we have an opportunity to be part of a solution, to slow a spread and save lives. If you're not part of that opportunity, you become part of a problem uh, that really accelerates the number of cases, makes it harder for all of us to continue with recovery, And the worst of it is, results in, I think, uh, unnecessary illness and deaths. Uh, With that, we'll take remarks in Spanish. Buenas
4: tardes. Hoy
2: uh, los pondremos al
4: día sobre nuestros indicadores que muestran que también estamos frenando la propagación de COVID-19 en nuestro condado de Los Angeles. También les informaremos sobre el estado de las reaperturas de las escuelas uh, que brindan servicios en persona para estudiantes con grandes necesidades y en las escuelas que solicitan um, permiso para abrir para instrucción en el aula para estudiantes en los grados de uh, kinder de transición al segundo grado. Y después uh, compartiremos información y ejemplos de qué tan fácil se puede propagar COVID-19 en varios lugares. Primero, revisemos los indicadores uh, de recuperación que seguimos observando de cerca. Estos cuatro indicadores que presentamos cada semana, líneas de tendencia en casos, tasa de positividad, hospitalizaciones, y fallecimientos, uh, nos ayudan a entender la transmisión de COVID-19 en nuestra comunidad, y el impacto de nuestras acciones recientes. Esta información, igual que el nivel uh, en el que cae nuestro condado en el plan del estado, uh, guía nuestras decisiones sobre cómo procedemos en nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación. First slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de siete días del número diario de casos de COVID-19 por fecha de episodio. Normalmente, proveemos el número de nuevos casos uh, que recibimos cada día. Y debido a las diferencias en los tiempos de procesamiento de las pruebas y retrasos de informes, uh, los nuevos casos que informamos uh, probablemente se recopilan durante varios días y en algún momento incluyen resultados de pruebas atrasadas. Um, Una forma adicional de ver las tendencias en los números de casos um, es a través de la fecha del episodio de cada caso. La fecha del episodio es la fecha en uh, que una persona tomó una prueba o tuvo síntomas por primera vez, um, <clears throat> y por lo que uh, es una manera más precisa de entender la tendencia uh, de los casos con el tiempo. Como podemos ver en el gráfico que clasifica los casos por fecha de episodio uh, desde el aumento de julio y luego la disminución en los casos en uh, que muchas empresas se volvieron a cerrar, estamos empezando a ver otro aumento uh, más gradual en nuevos casos diarios. Este aumento gradual coincide con la reapertura de varios sectores. ...así como el aumento de las reuniones asociadas con los deportes... ...incluyendo las celebraciones de las victorias de los Lakers y los Dodgers. En muchas de estas reuniones, las personas estaban juntas sin distanciarse... uh, ...y sin usar cubiertas faciales, muchas veces dentro de lugares... ...y por desgracia, a veces transmitían COVID-19 a otras personas... Este aumento es motivo de preocupación. Um, desde principios de octubre, nuestros casos han pasado de un promedio de unos 940 nueva, nuevos casos al día y a partir de la semana pasada a un promedio de casi 1200 casos nuevos por día. Y esta semana los casos están aumentando de nuevo. Next slide please. Uh, esta siguiente gráfica muestra nuestra tasa de positividad de pruebas o el porcentaje de pruebas que se realizan que dan positivo. La tasa de positividad de la prueba está uh, impactada por la cantidad de transmisión comunitaria y la disponibilidad de pruebas generalizadas. Seguimos teniendo una amplia disponibilidad de pruebas en el condado de Los Angeles. Y agradecemos a la doctora Gally y a su equipo, así como a la ciudad de Los Angeles, por su increíble trabajo. Desde mediados de septiembre, la tasa de positividad del condado de Los Angeles ha sido bastante estable, a un poco más del 3%. Estamos empezando a ver una, uh, perdón, un ligero aumento. Uh, y nuestro promedio de la tasa de positividad diaria actual es de alrededor de 3.4% en comparación con 3.1% hace un mes. Next slide please. Seguimos viendo de cerca el número diario de personas con COVID-19 que están hospitalizadas para que podamos comprender el impacto del virus en el sistema de salud uh, y realizar un seguimiento del número de personas que se han enfermado gravemente. En el caso de las hospitalizaciones relacionadas con COVID-19, Uh, Hubo, desde finales de julio, una disminución constante y ahora una estabilización con el uh, número de pacientes hospitalizados por COVID-19. Hemos estado por debajo de mil pacientes hospitalizados diariamente durante la mayor parte de septiembre a octubre. Y el condado de Los Ángeles continúa promediando menos de 800 pacientes hospitalizados por día. Esta estabilidad continua en el número de hospitalizaciones, mientras que nuestro número de casos diarios aumenta, es probable que se deba a una combinación de tres factores. En primer lugar, las personas más jóvenes son las que están impulsando el crecimiento en el uh, número de casos nuevos en nuestro condado. Y este es un grupo que pueda ser menos propensos a enfermarse gravemente y tener que ir a, al hospital. En segundo lugar, para aquellos que sí requieren hospitalización, la capacidad de los proveedores de atención médica uh, de ofrecer mejores tratamientos terapéuticos muchas veces lleva a una duración más corta en el hospital. Y tercero, uh, a menudo hay un retraso entre el momento en que comenzamos a ver aumentos en, en casos y los aumentos que siguen después en hospitalizaciones. Next slide, please. Afortunadamente, eh, seguimos informando una disminución en la cantidad de uh, fallecimientos muer- uh, eh, por COVID-19, y esto se debe a la disminución general de las personas que se enferman gravemente por el virus. Desde el aumento de fina- eh, a finales de julio, uh, en el promedio de muertes diarias que fue de 44, Ha habido una disminución constante con el promedio diario de la semana pasada de trece muertes por día. Esta disminución continua uh, de las muertes es prometedora. Al mismo tiempo, sabemos que un aumento en casos puede resultar en un aumento en hospitalizaciones y muertes uh, varias semanas después. Por eso, es tan importante que sigamos siendo vigilantes en el uso de todas las herramientas que tenemos uh, para frenar la propagación de COVID-19. Next slide, please. El plan estatal para una economía más segura proporciona un marco estratificado que coloca a los condados en uno de cuatro niveles, uh, dependiendo de tres indicadores que miden el nivel de transmisión en la comunidad. El, el nivel en el que cae nuestro condado determina en gran parte cómo podemos progresar en un nuevo viaje de recuperación, ya que el estado define claramente qué actividades están permitidas en cada nivel. Este gráfico muestra los límites establecidos por el estado para determinar cuándo los condados puedan moverse a un nuevo nivel. Next slide, please. El condado de Los Angeles continúa en el nivel 1, con transmisión comunitaria generalizada. Nuestra tasa de casos ajustada sigue siendo alta, con ocho nuevos casos por, di- por cada a cien mil personas, un pequeño aumento con respecto a la semana pasada, y es la razón por la que permanecemos en el nivel más restrictivo. Nuestra tasa de positivos Positividad se mantiene en el nivel 3, en 3.7%, que también es un pequeño aumento con respecto a la semana pasada. Nuestra tasa de positividad en las áreas con recursos más bajos uh, del Condado de Los Ángeles también ha aumentado ligeramente en comparación uh, con la semana pasada, del 5.9% al 6.2% y seguimos estando dentro del rango del nivel 2. Como recordatorio, el estado coloca a los condados en el nivel más restrictivo cuando todos los indicadores no están en un solo nivel. Y aunque es desalentador que aún no hayamos reducido nuestra tasa de casos lo suficiente como para pasar al nivel 2, tenemos las herramientas a mano para reducir las tasas de transmisión en nuestras comunidades. No solo queremos uh, progresar a un nivel menos restrictivo, sino que también queremos poder seguir manteniendo las empresas e instituciones abiertas y traer a más estudiantes de vuelta a las escuelas. Estos aumentos se alinean con los aumentos en casos que uh, nuestros propios datos muestran y es evidencia adicional que tenemos que tomar medidas ahora. Todos los días cuando estamos fuera de nuestros hogares y todos los días cuando abrimos nuestros negocios, necesitamos utilizar todas las herramientas que tenemos para reducir la transmisión de este virus. Ahora nos gustaría proporcionarles una actualización sobre las reaperturas de escuelas, tanto los cambios en los requisitos y procesos, así como actualizaciones sobre el número de escuelas abiertas para estudiantes de altas necesidades y la solicitud de permisos. Next slide, please. En este momento estamos en el nivel 1 y todas las escuelas en todo el condado pueden abrir sus instalaciones para lo siguiente cuidado de niños con licencia estatal uh, eh, apropiada o un permiso estatal maestros y personal que realizan aprendizaje a distancia y realizan operaciones esenciales deportes juveniles para el aconduc- acondicionamiento y desarrollo de habilidades conducidas afuera y ...apoyo y servicios para individuos o grupos estables de estudiantes de alta necesidad. El viernes pasado, aumentamos el porcentaje de estudiantes con alta necesidad... ...que ahora pueden regresar a una escuela para aprender en el sitio del 10% al 25% del total de todos los estudiantes... Además, las escuelas pueden solicitar un permiso para reabrir para el aprendizaje en persona para los estudiantes en los grandes, perdón, en los grados del kinder de transición al segundo grado. Los requisitos de aplicación incluyen el cumplimiento de las directivas del Departamento de Salud Pública, incluidas las listas de compro- comprobación de protocolos, los planes en caso de brotes y un equipo de cumplimiento identificado. Si bien las cartas de apoyo son muy recomendables uh, por los grupos, muy recomendadas, perdón, por los grupos de de partes interesadas, las escuelas tienen la opción de de mostrar a través de la certificación escrita firmada por el superintendente o administrador principal que han consultado con las partes interesadas antes de presentar su solicitud. Las escuelas deben, como parte de de su solicitud, uh, describir este proceso de consulta con el personal, los padres y las organizaciones comunitarias que proporcionan servicios para los estudiantes y sus familias. 30 escuelas pueden ser aprobadas uh, para estos permisos cada semana y se priorizan um, aquellas escuelas con altos porcentajes de estudiantes elegibles para alimentos gratuitos uh, o de precio reducido. Todas las escuelas abiertas deben cumplir con las directivas de reapertura del Departamento de Salud Pública que requieren control de infecciones, distanciamiento físico, el uso de cubiertas uh, para la cara uh, y grupos estables de estudiantes. El personal del Departamento de Salud Pública visita todas las escuelas que han reabierto para garantizar el cumplimiento con las directivas uh, de reapertura y proporcionar asistencia técnica. A partir del 23 de octubre, 1,017 escuelas han reabierto para el aprendizaje en persona para estudiantes de alta necesidad. El 4% de estas escuelas son escuelas privadas, el 18% son escuelas uh, autónomas y el 68% son escuelas públicas. Casi 35,000 estudiantes y más de 20,000 empleados han regresado para servicios y apoyos en la escuela. Además, 153 solicitudes uh, para reabrir el aprendizaje en persona para los grados de kinder transición a segundo año han sido recibidas por el Departamento de Salud Pública. Se han recibido 102 solicitudes de escuelas privadas, 5 solicitudes de escuelas autónomas y 46 solicitudes de escuelas públicas. Las aprobaciones de estas solicitudes uh, se han emitido a 29 escuelas hasta la fecha. Y como recordatorio, una vez que recibimos una solicitud completa, uh, toma entre dos a tres semanas para obtener uh, aprobaciones finales a través de nuestro sistema y luego para consultar con el estado. Y ahora para actualizarlo sobre nuestros datos actuales, uh, estamos tristes de informar 20 fallecimientos adicionales uh, esto desafortunadamente eleva el número total de muertes a 7.040 en el condado de Los Ángeles para las 6.633 personas que han fallecido donde se identificó la raza etnicidad el 52% son latinos el 23% son blancos el 14% son asiáticos El 10% son afroamericanos. Menos de 1% son nativos uh, de Hawái o de las Islas del Pacífico. Y el 1% son de otra raza etnicidad. También reportamos 1,351 casos nuevos hoy. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 303,369. Estamos reportando 2,048 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. 755 personas están hospitalizadas actualmente con COVID-19. El 28% de las personas hospitalizadas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 14% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 37,213. Y también nos da tristeza informar que 3,014 residentes en entornos institucionales han muerto a causa de COVID-19. 2,678 de estas personas que murieron en entornos institucionales residían en nuestros centros de enfermería especializada. También reportamos 3,928 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. Hay 260 casos en la prisión uh, estatal y 760 casos en las prisiones federales y 163 casos en los centros de menores. Hasta la fecha, más de tres millones de personas se han hecho la prueba de COVID-19 y la tasa de positividad es del 9%. Y ahora nos gustaría hablarles acerca de lo que sabemos uh, sobre cómo COVID-19 se propaga en la comunidad. Hemos aprendido mucho sobre cómo se transmite esta infección desde el comienzo de la pandemia, y es útil dar un paso atrás eh, de vez en cuando para reflexionar uh, sobre, lo que estamos, uh, sobre lo que sabemos para que podamos entender mejor los riesgos asociados con ciertas actividades. Primero nos gustaría hablar uh, de una boda que llevó a cabo en una pequeña ciudad de Maine el 7 de agosto. A la boda asistieron unos 65 invitados y se ha informado de que hubo una ceremonia y recepción. Pocos invitados uh, llevaban cubiertas faciales. El día después de la boda, uno de los invitados comenzó a sentir uh, síntomas y fin- finalmente cayó enfermo de COVID-19. Esta reunión ha resultado en 180 infecciones y siete fallecimientos. Este brote sigue abierto hoy en día porque todavía se están descubriendo nuevos casos. Entre las personas invitadas a la boda o que tuvieron contacto con un invitado, había un trabajador en un centro de vida de la tercera edad que extendió el virus a esa instalación y un trabajador de la cárcel del condado de York que uh, llevó ese virus a su trabajo. Siete personas en el centro de vida de la tercera edad han muerto desde entonces, y 87 personas en la cárcel fueron infectadas, incluidas uh, personas encarceladas y personal. Este caso refuerza la naturaleza mortal uh, de las reuniones en persona en este momento. Puede parecer inofenso reunir a un grupo de personas para una celebración. Sin embargo, este tipo de reunión, incluso, ni solo una persona, incluso si solo una persona está infectada, tiene el potencial de resultar en cientos de casos de COVID-19. Aún peor puede llevar a la muerte de personas que no tenían ninguna conexión con el evento en absoluto. Next slide, please. También queremos hablar sobre la posibilidad de brotes en las escuelas utilizando una universidad como ejemplo. En el condado de Los Ángeles, las universidades están operando en en su mayoría o totalmente uh, remotamente y con muy pocos estudiantes en la universidad. Uh, Agradecemos a aquellas instituciones que han tomado tan seriamente COVID-19 y están cumpliendo con nuestros protocolos de control de infecciones. Como puede ver en este gráfico, el riesgo de propagación de COVID-19 puede ser muy alto en los entornos universitarios. La Universidad de uh, Colorado en Boulder uh, experimentó un brote en septiembre que dio lugar a 1,585 casos positivos entre los estudiantes y 17 casos positivos entre el personal, uh, convirtiéndose en el mayor brote en el estado desde que comenzó la pandemia. La universidad cree que el brote fue impulsado principalmente por uh, socializar fuera de la universidad entre los estudiantes, pero se vieron obligados a mover sus clases uh, para hacer todo remotamente durante dos semanas uh, en un esfuerzo por frenar la propagación. Este ejemplo refuerza la facilidad con la que el virus se propaga dentro de una comunidad universitaria cuando viven en viviendas congregadas, uh, ofrecen clases en persona, y asisten a grandes reuniones. El comportamiento fuera del aula impacta las clases y acelera la propagación del virus. Next slide, please. Y por último, otra actividad que se ha relacionado con un alto número de casos de COVID-19 es el de salir a comer a restaurantes. Uh, Según un estudio reciente de los uh, CDC, las personas infectadas con COVID-19 tenían aproximadamente dos veces más probabilidades que un grupo de control uh, de informar haber comido en un restaurante en las dos semanas antes de infectarse. Además, tenemos datos de otros estados que establecen la conexión entre comer en un restaurante en persona y la transmisión de COVID-19. En Louisiana, el 25% de los casos tenían un origen en bares y restaurantes. En Maryland, el 12% de los casos se asociaron con un restaurante. Y en Colorado, el 9% de los casos podrían estar conectados a restaurantes y bares. Esto tiene sentido, y cuando las personas van a restaurantes y a bares, a menudo pasan un periodo prolongado en presencia de otros fuera de su hogar, sin cubrirse la boca o la nariz, y a menudo participan en conversaciones que podrían aumentar la propagación de gotas en el aire. En estas circunstancias, especialmente en interiores, resulta más fácil que se propague el virus. Luego, como en la situación de la boda, las personas más jóvenes entran en contacto con otros en un entorno laboral o social y extienden a aquellos que están en mayor riesgo uh, de enfermarse gravemente por COVID-19. Esperamos que estos ejemplos de casos demuestren con qué facilidad se propaga el virus y cómo algunas actividades conducen a grandes brotes. Las decisiones que tomamos individualmente uh, o como familia uh, pueden tener consecuencias trágicas para nosotros y para otras personas que tal vez ni siquiera conozcamos. Hacer lo que sabemos es correcto. Uh, Usar cubiertas faciales regularmente, evitar reuniones y mantener nuestra distancia con los que están fuera de nuestro uh, hogar es fundamental para prevenir grandes brotes como estos en el condado de Los Ángeles. Como recordatorio, las personas que han sido parte de multitudes celebratorias donde estaban en estrecho contacto con otras personas que no llevaban cubiertas faciales y no se distanciaban, pueden haber estado expuestas a COVID-19 y deben tomar las siguientes precauciones durante los próximos 14 días. Permanecer separados de los demás tanto como sea posible, hacerse la prueba y vigilarse a sí mismos para detectar síntomas de enfermedad. Si saben que estuvieron en contacto con una persona que dio positiva a COVID-19, deben ponerse en cuarentena durante 14 días completos, incluso si tienen una prueba negativa.
5: And now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. yev <laughs> Այսօր ես ձեզ կտեղեկացնեմ այն հիմնական ցուցանիշների մասին, որոնք նշում են մեր առանջཆթածը դանդաղեցնելու COVID-19 տարածումը Լոս Անջելո շրջանում։ Ես ձեզ կտեղեկացնեմ նաև դրոցների մասին, ինչպես դրոցերուն, որոնք անձամ ճարայություններ են մատուցում բարձր կարիք ունեցող այն դրոցերուն, ովքեր դիմում են պահանջում դասարաններում ուսուցման քե քեր դասաների աշակերտների համար ապա ես ես ձեզ հետ կկեսվեմ մի քանի տեղեկություններով եւ օրինակներով թե ինչպես հեշտությամ կարող է տարածվել COVID-19 մեր միջավայրերում նախ եկեք դիտենք վերականգնման ճափանիշները չորս ճափանիշները որոնք մենք շփհատական դրանք դեպքերը հոսպիտալացումը մահվան Խանակը օկնում են մեզ ավելի լավ հասկանալ COVID-19-ի փոխանցումը մեր համայնքում եւ մեր վերջին գործողությունների ազդեցությունը այս թեգությունները ինչպես նաեւ շրջանի 4 մակարդակներից one պետական ուղ, ուղեցույց որոշումների կայացման կողմից, միասին, մենք Շաբաթաբար մենք հայտնում ենք ամենոր ստացված նոր դեպքերի քանակի մասին, եւ տեստերի մշակման ժամանակի տարբերության եւ զեկուցելու հետաձգումների պատճառով մեր հայտարարած նոր դեպքերը հավանաբար հավակվում են մի քանի եւ երբեմն ներառում են անավարտ տեստերի արդյունքներ։ Տրվակի ամսաթիվն է, երբ մարդը է կամ Ոստի դամի փոքր ավելի ճշգրիտ միջոց է հասկանալու թե ինչպես են դեպքե, դեպքերը ժամանակի ընթացքում տենդենց դարնում, ըստ դրվագի ամսաթվի։ <ul><li>Հուլիս ամսվա կտրուկ աճից եւ այնուհետեւ այդ դեպքերի անկումից, երբ շատ ծեռնարկություններ փակվում են, մենք սկսում ամենոր, նոր դեպքերի հերթական, ավելի աստիճանական աճ. Այս աստիճանական աճը համընկնում է մի քանի ոլորտների վերաբացման, ինչպես նաև սպորտային մրցումների դիտման, հավաքույտների հետ կապված Neraryal Lakers-ի եւ Dodgers-ի հաղթանակները տոնել է. Այս հավաքույտներից շատերում մարտիկ միասին են, առանց հերո մնալու եւ Ձեր թեման նրան COVID-19-ը փոխանցում են այլ մարդկանց։ Այս աճը մտահոգություն է տեղի բերում։ Հոկտեմբերից սկզբից մեր դեպքերը Միչինա օրեգան մոտ 940 նոր դեպքերից անցել են, նախորդ շաբաթվա նոր դեպքերի. Այս կրկին կեսից շրջանի մակարդակը Բավականին կայուն է 3 percent մի փոքր ավելի։ Այնուամենայնիվ մենք սկսում ենք տեսնել մի փոքր աճ։ Եվ մեր ներկայիս միջին օրեկան դրական արդյունքը մոտավորապես 3.4% է, 1 ամիս առաջվա այս Ամենայն հավանականությամբ պայմանավորված են երեք գործոնների համեմատությամբ։ Նախ երիտասարդները հիմնականում առաջնորդում են մեր շրջանի նոր դեպքերի աջող թիվը։ Եվ սա մի խումբ է, որը կարող է ավելի լինել ցաներ հիվանդանալու covid 19 եւ հոսպիտալացում համար։ Արողջապահական ծառայություններ մատուցող անձանց ավելի լավ բուժում առաջարկելու նակությունը հաճախ հանգեցնում է հոսպիտալում կարճատև մնալը եւ երրորդը հաճախ կան հետեւանք այն ժամանակի, երբ մենք սկսում ենք դեպքերի աճ եւ հետագա հոսպիտալացման աճ։ Բարի բախտաբար մենք շարունակում ենք Եվ դա պայմանավորված է վիրուսից լուրջ հիվանդացող մարդկանց ընդհանուր նվազմամբ. Հուլիս Հուլիսի վերջին 44 միջին Օրեկան Մահվան Արավելագույն գագատնակետից իվեր նկատվում է կայուն նվազում։ Նախոր շաբաթվա վերջին Օրեկանը այս գիտենք, մի քանի շաբաթ անց հոսպիտալացման եւ մահվան աջի։ ահա թե ինչ է դա այդքան կարեւոր որ մենք զգոն մնանք վիրուսի տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու համար անраժեշտ բոլոր կորցիկների օկտագորձման հարցում կորած յուրաքանչյուր կյանք ողբերգություն մեր համայնքի համար անվտանգ տնտեսության հանգի նախագիծը տրամադրում է աստիճանական շրջանակ որը քաղցություներին դնում է 4 աստիճաններից մեկում կահված համայնքի փոխանցման մակարդակը ճափող երեք ճափանիշներից որտեղ լոս շրջանը ընդնում է այս աշջանի վրա մեծ մասամբ որոշում է թե ինչպես ենք մենք առաջ ընթաց ապրել մեր վերականգնման ճանապարհին պետությունը հստակորեն սահմանում է, թե յուրաքանչյուր մակարդակում ինչ գործներություն է թույլատրվում լոս գտնվել tier առաջի համատարած համայնային հիվանդությունների փոխանցումը մեր ճշգրտված դեպքերի մակարդակը շարնակում է բարձր մնալ կազմելով 8 նոր դեպք ամեն 100.000 մարդուն ինչը փոքրինչ աճ է նախորդ շաբաթվա համեմատ եւ դա պատճառը մնալ ամենասահմանափակ ամենաս շարքում մեր դրականության մակարդակը է cr շեմին շեմին որը կազմում է 3.7%, ինչը նույնպես փոքր աճը նախոր չափածվա համամտ։ Los Angeles շրջանի դրական մակարդակը նույնպես փոքրինչ աճել է անցած շաբաթվա համամտ 5.9%-ից՝ դառնալով 6.2%, որտեղ հիշեցում նահանգը մեծ դնում առավել համանափակ մակարդակում, երբ մեր բոլոր ցուցանիշները չեն։ Եվ չնայած հուսահատեցնող է, որ մենք դեռ այնքան չենք իջեցրել մեր գործի տեմպը, որը ծի տղա փոխվենք մենք ունեն են գործիկներ մեր համայնքներում փոխանցման տեմպերը իչեցնելու համար։ Մենք ոչ մեն են, որ իվերջո ավելի քիչ ճամանապահ մագարտակի, այլ նաև ուզում ենք շարունակել բացཔ་ել բիզնեսները, հաստատությունները եւ ավելի Բոլոր բաց դրոծները պետք է հավատարի մնան առողջապահության դեպարտամենտի վերաբացման հրահանգներին, որոնց պահանջվում են վարակի վերահսկում, հերացում, դիմակավորում եւ համախմբում։ Առողջապահության դեպարտամենտի աշխատակիցները աիցելում են դպրոց, ապահովելու համար, են հրահանգներին։ 1017 դեպրոց վերաբացել է բարձր կարգի ունեցող, կարիք ունեցող աշակերտների տեղում ուսոցման համար։ Այս դեպրոցներից 14% -ը մասնավոր դեպրոցներ են, 18% -ը կանոնադրական, 68% -ը հանրակրթական դեպրոցներ։ Գրեթե 35000 ուսանողներ եւ ավելի քան 20000 աշխատակազմ վերադարձել տեղում ծառայությունների եւ աջակցության համար։ Բացի այդ, Հարայն առողջապահության կոդում ստացվել է 153 դրոբոցներից դիմում TK-ից երկրորդ դասարանի տեղում ուսուցման վերաբացվելու համար։ Մասնավոր դրոբոցներից ստացվել է 102 դիմում, քաղաքադրական դրոբոցներից ստացվել է 5 դիմում, իսկ հանրակարտական դրոբոցներից 46 հայտ։ Մինչ օրս 29 համար մերժման հաստատումներ տրվել։ Եվ որպես հիշեցում հայտնի ավարտից հետո ներ համակարգի միջոցով վերջնական հաստատումներ ստանալը որոշում կայացնելը տևում է 2-ից 3 շաբաթ։ Ներկայ իրավիճակի վերաբերալ։ Այսով ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 20 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարտկանցից 8-ը տարեկանից հինգ 65 տարեկանից 79-ն, որոնցից 5-ն ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 5 անձը 50 64 են եւ հինգն էլ նույնպես ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 2 անձի տարիքը 30-ից 49-ն եւ մեկը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա ելում ایتیک պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է, է, 52 آمده. هیچون یهروک توکو سلطین و لاتین‌کس، یکسان یهروک توکو سرسبیتگ، تاشچورس توکو سر آسیا کان، تاس توکو سر آفریو آمریکایی، مک توکو سر بنی خاوریان یه مک توکو سر مکالوراسه. کووید تاس نیو ماه هفته Մանալտանը եւ հնարավորինս խուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 1351 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Սա ծերում է Լոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր տիվը 303369 Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long կողմից ված, 13, դեպքեր, իսկ 2795 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն առողջապահական բաշխամունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 2122 հաստատված դեպքեր Անոթևան մարտ ապրող մաշկան շրջանում։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 755 մարդ, որոնցից 28%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Եսք 14% եմիացված են շնչարական են կատարվում 2122 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնավճչության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերոն, ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակող բնակելի եւ یارسون ն چهزار یه رکوارت تاس բնակիչները։ Այս آن 18,573 می‌یفتنه کیچنردن. از دبکریز تاس چهزار 5 کارور یه تاناسون یه رکاب نگیچنردن یه تاس ن 8004 کاراسون آن زنگاز. تا وقتن خایتمون وارد یه رکزار تاس چورس هموت پوشکری հաստատություններում։ Մենք توش ենք այս կորուստի համար։ منگ ենք, որ հաստատված 3928 زیکو توم منگ ور هستاد հիմնարկներում։ 3440 هزار اینارکسان 488 دبکر 760 դեպք վեդրալ բանտերում, 743 բանտարկյալ یوت 17 کراسون یک باند ارگال یه فدس نیوت آشخاتاکاز، و هر واتسون یک دب շրջանի پاسندهی բոլոր նոր դեպքերի یوت կարող چورز باند ارگال Ավելի քան 3 միլիոն մարդ տեստավորվել են եւ արժույքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոյի շրջան, որոնցից 9% դրական են։ Ինչպես է վիրուսը։ Ես ուզում եմ փակել այսօր խոսելով մասին, մասին, այս covid Մենք և օկտակարը երբ թևը նահանջել եւ արտացոլել այն, ինչ գիտենք, որպիսի որபிսի ավելի լավ հասկանանք որոշակի գործողությունների հետ կապված ռիսկերը։ Նախիս ես խոսել հարսանիքի մասին, որը տեղի ունեցավ քաղաքում օգոստոսի եւ Հյուրերը չեն կրում դիմակ, ձեռքի հարսանիքի հաջորդ օրը հյուրերից մեկը սկսեց ախ, ախտանიშներ զգալ եւ ի հիվանդացավ կូវիդ-19-ով։ Այս մեկ հավակայքի արձանքում գրանցվել է 180 վարակ եւ 7-ը մայիս։ Այսօր է ծած, քանի որ դեռ նոր դեպքեր են չրջանում, օվքեր, կամ հիուրեին, կամ ծերերի հաստատությունների մի աշխատող, որը վիրուսը տարածեց այդ հաստատություններում, եւ յորքի շրջանի բանտի մի աշխատող, որը վիրուսը տարածեց իր աշխատավայրում։ Դրանից հետո ծերանոցում 7 մարտ մահացել է, իսկ բանտում գտնվող մարտ վարակվել են նռարյալ եւ աշխատակազմներ։ Սա ամรา է այս պահին անznavorvats հավաքույտների մահացու բնույթը կարող է թվալ որ աննաս է մի խում մարդկանց հավաքել տոնակատարության այնու ամենայնիվ այս տեսակի հավաքույտները նույնիսկ եթե միայն մեկ մարդ է վարակվել կարող է հանգեցնել կវիդ հայրավոր դեպքերի մահվան ովքեր ընդհանրապես կապչունային այս իրադարձության հետ։ Ես ուզում եմ խոսել նաև դպրոցերում բռնակումների հավանականության մասին, որpes օրինակ օգտագործելով համասարանը։ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի համասարանները գործում են հիմնականում կամ ամբողջովին հերաւոր ուսուցմամբ եւ համասարանում գտնվող շատ քիչ ուսանողներ Այս հաստատություններին, ովքեր լուրջ են վերաբերվել COVID-19-ին եւ համապատասխանում են վարակների վերահսկման մեր արտանაგրություներին։ Ինչպես տեսնում եք, համասարանական միջավայրում COVID-19-ի տարածման ռիսկը կարող է շատ մեծ լինել։ Սեպտեմբերին Կոլորադո Կոլորադոյի համասարանն որի արդյունքում ուսանողների շրջանում գրանցվեց 1585 դեպք։ Իսկ անձնակազմի շրջանում 17 դրական դեպք, դարնալով համաճարակի սկսվելուց իվեր իրենց նահանգի ամենամեծ բռնկումը։ Համասարանը կարծում է, որ բռնկումը հիմնականում պայմանավորված էր ուսանողների շրջանում արդ համասարանական շփումներից, բայց նրանք երկու շապատով, բոլորը ուսուցման, դանդաղեցնել տարածումը. Այս ամրապնդում է Թե որքան հեշտ է վիրուսը տարածվում համարարանական համայքում երբ նրանք ապրում են հավաքական տներում անձամբ դասեր են անցկացնում եւ մասնակցում են մեծ հավաքույթերին դասասենյակից դուրս պահված կը է վիրուսի verchapes mec al gortzoghutyun vorə tvov covid-19 depkheri het restoranum tchashelne hamadzayn cdc-i Մի ամթիք ովքեր վարակվել են covid 19 մոտ երկու անգամ ավելի հավանական են, որ ովքեր երկու շաբաթվա թացկում ճաշել են ռեստորանում։ Բացի այդ, մենք ունենք տվյալներ այլ նահանգներից, որոնք կապ ճաշելու եւ Լու, են Ներելենդում դեպքերի 12% -ը հետևում են ռեստորաններին, և Կոլորադոյում դեպքերի 9% կարող է կապված լինել ռեստորանների եւ բարերի հետ։ Երբ մարդի գնում են ռեստորաններ եւ բարեր, նրանք հաճախ երկար ժամանակ են անցկացնում այլ անձանց ներկայությամբ, առանց իրենց դեմքի ծածկույթի եւ հաճախ մասնակցում են, են ավելացնել կաթիլների Այս պայմաններում հատկապես ներսում վիրուսի տարածումը դյուրին է դառնում։ Այնուհետև, ինչպես հարսանիքի իրավիճակում, ավելի երի percent մարդիկ շփվում են ուրիշների հետ, աշխատանքային կամ սոցիալական միջավայրում, եւ տարածում այն նրանց վրա, ռ, են, 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 են covid Հույս ովեն, որ այս դեպքերը օրինակ են վերում, թե որքան հեշտ է տարածվում վիրուսը եւ ինչպես են որոշում որոշ գործողություններ ելնել մեծ Այն որոշումները, որոնք մենք կայացնում ենք անհատապես են եւ այլոց համար, այն, հավաքույտներից խուսափելը եւ մեր տանից դուրս գտնվողներից հերավորություն պահպանելը շատ կարեւոր է որբիսի կանխենք նման մեծ բռնկումներ։ Որպես հիշեցում այն մարդիկ, ովքեր մաս են կազմել հանդիսավոր բազմության, որտեղ նրանք ծերտ ուրիշների հետ, Գոցե ընթարկվել են COVID-19-ի ազդեցությունը եւ հաջորդ 14 օրվա ընթացքում պետք է ձեռնարկեն հետեւյալ նախազգուշական միջոցները, որքան հնարավոր է մնալ ուրիշներից, տեստավորվել եւ վերահսկել Thank you. Now the remarks in Korean. 먼저 회복
6: 대시보드 수치와 관련된 업데이트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 10월 초부터 케이스 수는 하루 평균 940개에서 지난주에는 평균 거의 1200개까지 케이스가 다시 증가하고 있습니다. 9월 중순부터 LA 카운티에서의 양성 확충률은 계속 3%로 유지되고 있었는데 현재는 3.4%로 약간 증가된 수치입니다. 9월에서 10월까지 병원 입원자 수는 1,000명 이하로 레이 카운티에서의 1일 평균 병원 입원자 수는 800명 이하였습니다. 병원 입원자 수가 계속 유지되면서 1일 케이스 수가 늘어난다는 것은 다음의 세 가지 이유 때문일 수 있는데 첫째로 젊은 사람들의 새로운 케이스 수 증가의 주요원이기 때문입니다. 이 그룹은 병원에 입원하거나 심각한 병에 걸리지는 않는 추세입니다. 두 번째로 병원에 입원해야 하는 사람들에 의해 의료 종사자가 더 나은 치료책을 베풀고 있기 때문에 입원하는 날 수가 줄어들고 있습니다. 셋째로 보통 케이스 수의 증가와 그에 따른 병원 입원자 수의 증가에는 지연이 되기 때문에 그러합니다. 지난주에 일일 평균 사망자 수는 13명이었습니다. 사망자 수가 감소하고 있다는 것은 희망적인데 그러나 케이스 수의 증가는 몇주 후에 병원 입원자 수와 사망자 수에 증가시킬 수 있기 때문에 우리는 여전히 바이러스 확산을 줄이기 위해서 우리가 가지고 있는 모든 도구들을 사용해야 할 것입니다. LA 카운티는 여전히 1단계에 머물러 있는데 커뮤니티의 감염 확산이 가장 활발한 단계입니다. 케이스률은 10만 명당 8케이스로 여전히 높습니다. 확증률은 여전히 3.7%로 3단계에 있는데 이 수치는 지난주보다는 약간 증가된 수치입니다. 리소스가 적은 지역에서의 확증률은 지난주보다 약간 증가해서 5.9에서 6.2로 증가하였습니다. 이 수치는 여전히 2단계에 준하는 수치입니다. 주정부에서는 하나의 단계만을 보는 것이 아니라 모든 수치를 보기 때문에 가장 제한적인 단계에 둠으로 우리의 케이스률이 아직 2단계로 갈수 없는 상태입니다. 학교와 관련된 업데이트입니다. 학교의 영업 영업체계 관련 업데이트를 말씀드리자면 요구 조건에 조정이 된 점들이 있고 또 신청 가능한 학교 수가 조정이 되었습니다. 현재 우리는 1단계에서 모든 학교는 다음에 학생들의 활동을 위해서 영업을 재개할 수 있습니다. 주정부 라이센스나 웨이버가 있는 차일드케어, 원격 수업과 필수 영업을 위해 필요한 선생님과 직원들, 야외에서 단련과 훈련을 하기 위한 청소년 스포츠, 특수 학생이나 그룹을 위한 서포트 서비스 등입니다. 지난 금요일에 특수 학생들이 학교에서 대면 수업을 받을 수 있는 수가 전체 학생의 10%에서 25%로 증가하였습니다. 그에 더해서 학교는 TK에서 2학년까지 대면 수업을 위해 영업을 제기하는 신청서를 낼 수가 있습니다. 신청 조건은 보건부 지침에 따르는 것인데 프로토콜 점검표를 완성하고 발병 매니지먼트 계획을 세우고 그것을 준수하는 팀이 마련되어야 합니다. 스테이크홀더 그룹으로부터의 추천서 편지가 권장이 되지만 학교는 신청서를 접수하기 전에 스테이크홀더들과 이미 의논하였음을 교육감과 책임자의 사인이 있는 서면 증명서를 제출할 수 있습니다. 학교는 신청서에 직원들과 부모들, 그리고 학생들과 가족에게 서비스를 베푸는 커뮤니티 기반 조직들과 어떻게 의논을 하였는지 설명해야 합니다. 매주 30개의 학교가 허가되고 있고 무료 급식을 받는 학생이 더 많은 학교가 우선시 되고 있습니다. 10월 23일까지 총 1017개 학교가 특수학생들의 대면 수업을 위해 영업을 재개하였습니다. 14%는 사립, 18%는 charter, 68%는 공립 학교에서 재개하였습니다. 학생 3, 3만 5천 명과 2만 명의 직원들이 대면 서비스와 서포트를 위해 학교로 돌아왔습니다. 그에 더해서 TK에서 2학년을 위한 대면 수업을 위해 153개의 학교가 신청했습니다. 102개는 사립학교, 5개는 차럴, 또 46개는 공립학교입니다. 29개의 학교에 이미 허가가 되었고, 신청서가 접수되고 마지막 허가가 나기까지 2주에서 3주가 소요되는 것을 알려드립니다. 이제 데일리 리포트를 말씀드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 코로나 바이러스로 인해 추가로 20명의 사망자가 보고되었습니다. 이중 8명은 80세 이상으로, 어, 이중 7명은 기저질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 5명은 65에서 79세 사이이고 어, 이 모두 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 또 5명은 50에서 64세 사이이고, 이들 모두 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 2명은 30에서 49세 사이이고, 이중 1명이 기저질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 7,040명입니다. 인종과 민족성이 알려진 6,633명의 사망자 중에 52%는 라틴계열, 23%는 백인, 14%는 동양인, 10%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양 섬 원주민, 그리고 1%는 기타 인종이었습니다. 오늘로써 1,351건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤리스 카운티에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 30만 3,369건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 1만 3,048건, 파사디나시에서 2795건이 2,795건이 있었으며 이두 시는 각 보건부가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 노숙자들 가운데서의 확진 케이스 수는 2,048건이었습니다. 현재 755명이 양성 확진자로 병원에 입원해 있으며 이중 28%는 중환자실에 있고 14%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 2,122개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 이중 395개는 현재 조사 중이고 1,727개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 37,213건이고 이중 1만 8,573명은 거주자이며 1만 8,640명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 시설에 사는 사람들 중에 사망자 수는 3,104명이고 이중 2,678명은 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 오늘 발표된 20명의 사망자 중에 1명은 전문 간호시설 관련 사망자 케이스입니다. 교도시설에서는 총 3,928건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 이중 3,440명은 수감자이며 488명은 일하는 사람들이었습니다. 지금까지 LA 보건부로 300만 건 이상이 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었고, 이중 9%가 양성 결과였습니다. 끝으로 커뮤니티에서 COVID-19 바이러스가 어떻게 확산되는지에 대해 이야기하고 싶습니다. 판단백의 시작 이후로 이 감염이 어떻게 전파되는지 많은 점을 알게 되었는데, 특정한 활동과 관련하여 위험성을 이해하는 데 도움이 됩니다. 먼저 8월 7일에 있었던 메인이라는 작은 동네에 있었던 어, 결혼식에 대해서 언급하고 싶습니다 이 결혼식에는 65명 정도의 하객이 있었고 결혼식과 리셉션이 있었습니다 몇몇 손님들만 얼굴 가리개를 사용하였습니다 결혼식 다음 날 손님 한 명이 증상을 나타나기 시작했고 코비드 19에 감염되었다는 것을 알게 되었습니다 이 하나의 모임으로 인해서 총 180명이 감염이 되었고, 7명이 죽음에 이르게 되었습니다. 이 감염은 여전히 확산되고 있는데, 새로운 케이스가 계속 밝혀지고 있기 때문입니다. 결혼식에 참석한 손님이나 손님과 밀접한 접속이 있었던 사람이 노인 거주시설에서 일하는 직원이었고, 이 거주시설에 바이러스를 전파했으며, 또한 요어크 카운티 감옥에서 일하는 사람이 직장에 바이러스를 확산시키는 일이 있었습니다. 노인 거주시설에서 7명이 사망하였고 감옥에서는 87명이 감, 감염되었는데 직원과 수감자 모두를 포함해서입니다. 이 사건이 요즘 대면 모임이 죽음에 이르게 할 수도 있다는 이 특징을 가지고 있음을 주는 바입니다. 기념일을 위해서 몇 사람들이 모이는 것이 별로 위험해 보이지 않을 수 있습니다. 그러나 이러한 모임이 단지 한 명만 감염이 된다 하더라도 COVID-19로 인해서 수백 명의 케이스가 될 수가 있습니다 더 나아가서 이 이벤트와는 전혀 관계가 없는 사람들까지 죽음에 이를 수도 있습니다 대학교에서 있었던 예를 통해서 학교에서 있을 수 있는 아웃브레이크에 대해서 이야기하고 싶습니다 LA 카운티에서는 현재 대학교에서 아주 적은 수의 학생들만 캠퍼스에 있고 대부분 혹은 완전히 원격 캠퍼스를 운영하고 있습니다. 대학교의 환경에서는 코비드19가 확산될 수 있는 위험성이 매우 높습니다. 보더에 있는 유니버시티 콜로라도에서 있었던 일인데 9월에 발병이 있었습니다. 학생 1585명이 양성 확진 케이스가 보고되었고 17명의 직원이 양성 케이스였습니다. 이 발병은 팬데믹 시작 이후로 그 주에서 가장 큰 발병이 되었습니다. 대학교는 이 발병이 대부분 학교 캠퍼스 밖에서 학생들이 모임으로 인해서 퍼져나갔다고 믿고 있는데 확산을 줄이기 위해서 2주 동안 모든 수업을 원격 수업을 해야 하였습니다. 이이 예는 대학교 커뮤니티에서 바이러스가 얼마나 쉽게 퍼질 수 있는지를 보여줍니다. 특히 이들은 거주시설에 살고 있고 대면 수업이 있었으며 큰 모임에 참석하였습니다. 교실 밖에서의 밖에서 하는 행동이 교실에까지 들어올 수 있고 바이러스의 확산을 증가시킨다는 것을 볼수 있습니다. 또한 COVID-19 케이스가 올라가는 다른 활동들은 대면 식사를 하는 것입니다. 최근 CDC 연구에 따르면 COVID-19에 감염된 사람들은 그렇지 않은 그룹보다 두배 이상 감염되기 전에 2주 전에 식당에서 밥을 먹은 적이 있다고 밝혔습니다. 그에 더해 다른 주에서 보고된 바에 따르면 코비드-19 확산과 대면 식사를 하는 것에 관계가 있다고 보고되었습니다. 루이지애나 주에서는 25% 케이스가 바와 식당에서 시작되었다고 하였습니다. 메릴랜드 주에서는 12%의 케이스가 식당에서 시작되었습니다. 콜로라도 9 9%가 케이스가 식당과 바와 관련이 있는 케이스였습니다. 사람들이 식당이나 바에 가게 되면 대부분 가족이 아닌 사람들과 어느 정도 시간을 보내게 되는데 이때 얼굴 가리개가 없이 보통 대화를 하기 때문에 공기 중에 비말이 확산이 될 확률이 더 높아집니다. 이러한 경우 특히 실내에서 바이러스가 퍼지기 쉽습니다. 결혼식과 같은 경우에 젊은 사람들이 직장이나 또한 사교적인 환경에서 다른 사람들과의 접촉이 있고 코비드19를 받았을 때 결과가 좋지 않은 고위험군인 사람들에게 그 병을 옮기게 됩니다. 이러한 케이스의 예들은 바이러스가 얼마나 쉽게 퍼지고 단지 몇 가지 활동들이 큰 발병에 이르게 하는지를 보여줍니다. 개인적으로 또한 가족적으로 만드는 결정들이 우리가 또한 우리가 알지 못하는 다른 사람들에게 심각한 결과를 초래할 수 있습니다 우리는 얼굴 가리개를 정기적으로 쓰고 모임을 피하며 다른 사람들과 거리를 두는 것만이 LA 카운티에서 이러한 큰 발병을 막는데 아주 중요할 것입니다 기억해야 할 점은 우리가 최근에 큰 무리에 있었고 다른 사람과 밀접한 접촉이 있었으며 얼굴 가리개를 사용하지 않았고 거리를 유지하지 않았다면 코비드19에 노출되었을 가능성이 있고 다음 14일 동안 이렇게 해야 합니다. 가능하면 다른 사람들과 떨어져 있고 테스트를 받고 증상이 있는지 점검하십시오. 만약 코비드19 양성인 사람과 접촉이 있었다면 14일 동안 격리해야 하는데 음성 경과를 받았다 하더라도 그렇게 해야 할 것입니다. 감사합니다.
7: Next, Alan Chen will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. Thank you. 今天我会为大家更新一些关键的数据指标，来看看我们在延缓新冠病毒社区传播所取得的成就。今天我为大家更新了有关学校重启的状况，包括学校为哪些需要、那些需要教师教学的学生的现状，以及在申请教师教学的学校的状况。这些学校是学历前的过渡班。最后我会为大家提供一些资料和范例 来说明covid 这些数据有助于我们理解COVID-19如何在社区传播 我们通常以每天收到的病例为基础事发数据是指采集病人样品的日期 或病人第一次呈现COVID-19症状的日期 这样我们就可以更接近病例的实际变化趋势正对应着这段时间逐渐重启的一些部门 从10月开始 每日病例从940的新病例 感谢Dr.Galley及洛杉基士 在这方面所做的一切 3 percent 34 3one 我们一直跟踪每日新冠病例的住院人数 1000以下 所以而现在洛杉矶县的新冠病人住院数字 800以下 最后一个因素是因为发病和猪猿之间经常会有一个时间差。44例 每日下降的死亡病例给我们带来信心 同时我们也知道, 规划将线分为四个T层 分类的标准是基于三个描述病毒传播的数据 落线在这个T层系统中所持的层次 落线仍处在第一梯层我先每 37 34 在洛县最贫困的地区 59 percent 62 percent 我们不仅希望进入下一个梯城或州政府特许的幼儿园 8人是 8人中有 7人患有其他疾病 5人患有其他疾病 五人年龄介于 30到 in 52 这样洛杉矶县的病例总数病毒住在医院 28 percent的人使用了 机构确诊病例的总数为 18640人 3440人为囚犯 260例, 其中 760例 其中 已经有超过300万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试 并报上了测试结果免营小镇事件我们来看看 8月 19 180人感染或 人没接受聚众聚会的危险性看上去科洛拉多元氏大学让我们再看看学校是如何传播的造成了病毒在学校是多么容易传染另外我们从其他州也采集了一些与死的就餐相感染的数据会停留很长的时间 That's conference for today. Thank you.
0: This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LAPublicHealth. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.